This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college sports fans, and welcome to the Prime Tab Podcast. My name is Ricky Whitmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, we got a jam-packed show today, a little bit of college basketball, a little bit of college football A little bit there. of Jessica in my... A <laughs> L- little bit of Mambo number five up in here, but not, not, the, not the Radio Disney version. No. It's got to be Monica no. and Jessica, not Mickey and Goofy, but we do have some jam-packed topics for this primetime podcast. Going to be talking Thon Maker. The boys, I should say myself and the other guys, Sean and Dave, talked about Thon this week on the fast break. Focus more. Where could he go in the NBA? However, Brandon, it's not for sure that he will be going to the NBA. So we're going to sit here and focus. Should Thon go to college and who should he pick to go to school for? And then we're also going to look at the satellite cap band in college football. Maybe one more topic later in the show. We haven't decided, but those two for sure. And the first one, Thon Maker. Let's say right now, let's throw the decision out the window. If you are Thon Maker, Brandon, and you're coming in, you're a 19-year-old kid thinking, hey, I can come straight out of high school in Canada and go straight to the pros, are you saying, you know what, Thon, go ahead and do it? Are you saying, eh, you know what, maybe you should go to college? You know, I think it could go. It really could go both ways because if you're Thon Maker, you can look at 2003 LeBron James, who did it, and 2004 Dwight Howard. So I, I think that uh, you know those two guys aren't too bad. With obviously LeBron James being the better of the two, so but it doesn't happen a whole lot. You know, it just does not happen a whole lot. Not where, many people are LeBron James. Let's just put it that Well, way. let's just say that no one is LeBron James except for LeBron James. There's one, Le- there's one LeBron James. There's one Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. They are two separate players with two different sets of skills. Let's just put that out there right away for all you basketball people. So I do think it's interesting, though, because to even have the thought that you may not go to go to college and play in college, it's interesting. I, I really think that... I really think going to college is, is, is so important, not just for and, and people are going to be like, oh, shut up, Brandon. But really, I think going to college, not even not just for the experience there in college, because from college to the pros is a leap from high school to the pros. That's tough. That's really tough. But I think you got to get the education there, too. I think you've got to get the education in college because I keep saying it. Mm-hmm. You are done with your career by 40. I mean, you're done most likely before then. But you are done by 40. What are you going to do after that? What are you going to do? Well, and I love, I'll be honest, the only person at Most Valuable Podcast, maybe besides Mark, that I can have this discussion with and not get it jammed down my throat about money is you. That's why I love having these conversations with you on the Primetime Podcast because there's so much to just this discussion of going to school. And now we've added so much to it where you can either go to school for a year, then go to the NBA. If you're not a one and done or you can stay for multiple years, then try to go to the NBA. You can do the Emmanuel Moutier route and say, you know what, I'm going to play in China for a year, then come over and make myself eligible for the NBA draft. And really the decision with Thon Maker, you have to kind of get out of the way first is do you think 
he really did the same thing as, I'm going to put it, did he do the same thing as Emmanuel Moutier? Remudier went over to China, kind of gave an FU to the NCAA and SMU and said, you know what, fuck you, I'm going to go get paid, and then came over and got paid in the NBA. Thon Maker didn't do that. Went to high school, played a fifth year this past year in Canada, and yeah, he's 19, yeah, he technically has been graduated out of high school for a year, but the thing, and you said it, Brandon, You've been playing against high school talent for the past year. And it's easy to look good against high school talent when you're the 18-slash-19-year-old kid, 7-footer, that can tower over everyone, has the athletic ability to be better than them, is a capable shooter, has a motor, and it's easy to look good in front of high school kids when you're a 50-year senior. To me, I feel like me personally... He may be suited better to go to college, and this immediately enters the ground, and Dave Oster on the fast break is one of these guys, and Brandon, I'm glad that you're not. There's the people like Dave that immediately say, no, go get your money. Go get your money in the NBA. Screw school. Screw the education. Go get your money. I'm not even talking on the educational because I know I'm on the same side as you. Education's important. I mean, look at the guys like, I'm going to throw out Andrew Luck in football that actually went and got that degree, stayed an extra year in school just to get that degree. I'm not even going to use that side of it, though. I'm just saying as a just player of the game, I feel like you have to go to school, especially if you're Thon Maker, because of the first two things. When you look at, let's say, the Draft Express video for his weaknesses, what are the first two things they list, and it's easy to see in his film, his feel for the game, and he needs offensive polish. Yeah, you can do that in the NBA, but you're not going to be able to do that well enough unless you go to like a team like Boston or a team like Toronto or Cleveland or San Antonio that's like, you know what, we've got guys. We've got guys who can take us to the playoffs, sit at the end of the bench, and polish your game. Well, you can go to college You can do that in college and be the BMOC and possibly win a national championship in school. The thing here is that you, if you bypass college, you bypass a lot of learning. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking necessarily in school learning. I'm talking talking about learning on the court. I'm talking about learning on the court, Mm -hmm. learning in life about not only about basketball, but about how to be a better man. And, and, I, and I bring this up, and I, and I want to point out Marcus Page in his senior speech, and he brings up Roy Williams, and he says, not only did you make me a better basketball player, you but you made man. me a better man to then move on to the next stage of my life. And I'm sure Roy Williams will always be a part of Marcus Page's life, always. And I think that Thon Maker, if he does not go to college— it's. I mean, you don't even think about money right now. You're not even thinking about money. You're thinking about everything else. Because money, as quickly as it comes, it can go away just as quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think, though, having that knowledge, being able to be in a locker room with other college guys, learn with them at the same time, go along with experiences with them, you're not only missing out on the learning side of it, you're listening out, missing out on the experience side of it. You know, I am not really for as much partying and dumb, 
dumb stuff that Johnny Manziel does because he's a stupid kid, and I really hope he gets help. But you got to have some fun, too. Mm-hmm. And being able to have fun with you know these college guys who are on the same level as you, that's so different than NBA. Because they're already, they got their families, they got their other stuff they're doing with their boys and stuff like that. They don't got time for you. Mm-hmm. You're a kid. You know what? I really think that that's just another reason why you got to go to college. You have got to go and play in college because there is so much to learn from the college game before you even think about stepping on an NBA court. That is just me, but I think that that is really important. And I think if anyone's overlooking that, you are silly. You are silly. Well, and I'm going to reference and I'm going to put it down in the description again in case you had not listened yet to our fast break discussion when Sean, Dave, and myself talked about it this past weekend of Thon Maker, where does he project in the NBA? But there's this SI article where they had a roundtable where they asked NBA writers, they had an anonymous NBA scout, anonymous NBA executive, and they asked him about Thonmaker. And if you list through every single, almost every single one, they say the same thing. He's not ready. Ben Gulliver, NBA writer, right away says, I'm skeptic. There's two things in his mind. He's multi-years away from being NBA ready. Their first NBA scout they talked to said he's two or three years away. The anonymous NBA executive that they talked to, he talked more about the eligibility, but yet again said, you know what, I I don't think he's ready. A lot of people saying, I don't think he's ready for the NBA, and there was one of them, I can't remember who, that made an an interesting kind of thought that I didn't think of, and it made me think, you know what, he should just go to school. And that was, is Thon Maker mentally going to be ready to deal with, hey, you know what? I may not be the everyday starter. I may not even be the role player. I may be either one sitting on the end of the bench, just not even playing at all, just sitting on the end of the bench, or two, be playing in the D-League. Is he ready for that? And the way I look at it is, why would you do that to yourself when you could go to college and right away he could have the opportunity to be the BMOC, the big man on campus, and win a national champ. Because let's be honest, any team, and there are six of them that we're going to talk about in a second, St. John's, Indiana, Notre Dame, Arizona State, Kansas, and UNLV, that have a shot at getting this guy. Any of those teams would be just, it would make their team instantly better having him on the court. And that's why I say, you know what, you got to go. If you're two or three years away, at least spend that one year in school. At least spend that one year. Develop your game in college because then me as a college MBA kind of sided guy, I can see you play against college athletes. And if you dominate like you did in high school this past year, then I can go, okay, he's MBA ready. But if you go to the NBA and you're stuck at the end of the bench or stuck playing in the D League, that's gonna hurt that could hurt you mentally unless you are mentally strong. And I don't think Thon Maker's that mentally strong. So that's why I would go to college, be the be be the big man on campus, 
and then go to the NBA. Well, I think that's absolutely the thing. You know, <clears throat> I think that it's really important for for him to kind of get a feel for college. Mm-hmm. You got to get that little taste before you go to the NBA. A lot of guys have done the one year. I, I think you and I are both kind of on the same page where we would much rather see them go farther and, and, and kind of finish out their, their college career. But I, I think that e- even in that one year, even in that one year, you can learn a lot. Even in that one year, you get, I think, a little sense of how, what the NBA is going to be like. And I think that's, I think that's really, really important. That's that's huge. Those things are huge, and it by bypassing all of that, I don't think that's a smart idea. I really don't think it's a smart idea. I think that honestly, he makes more of an impact stepping onto a college court where he is right now than he would mm-hmm. NBA. And, and if he doesn't realize that, he certainly isn't ready. He certainly isn't ready. If he does not get that, and if there are people around him saying, "You know what? By who needs college? You don't need it, man. You don't need no education. We aren't here to play school." You don't, okay, Cardell. <laughs> no, no one, no one is helping him. Then no one knows what they're talking about because mm. he's not going to be making a big impact. Then if he goes straight NBA, you're not. Do, I, and I continue to watch both the you know obviously college is over for the year, which is really upsetting because now all we have to watch is is you know the end of the NBA. But boring, we, got cal- boring, we got college baseball. Excuse me, excuse me. Uh, watch <laughs> the end of the uh, boring ass NBA season. Um, minus, you know, the the Warriors and, and, and now Kobe because we get to see the last two games with Kobe and then the Lakers go back to being, you know, the Lakers and terrible. <laughs> but I, I think that, um, you know, it, watching the NBA and watching college next to each other, it, it, for me it's no contest. It is college all the way because college is more exciting. I, I think, uh, you know, NBA is more big play, big dunk, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's cool. I love that. I love the big dunk. I love the big play, everything like that. But college is so much more on the edge of your seat what's going to happen. And things can change so quickly like that in a split second. And each year, who's gonna, what team this year is mm-hmm. going to be the one? To not want to be a part of that before you go to the big money, before you go to the big play, before you go to – being able to take eight steps and not having to travel. I think all of those things, th- th- that should not, how am I trying to say this? You should not want all of that before you've even touched college. Because what the way I've talked about college in, in the moments ago, that's what you should be living for. I mean, you want the money. I get it. You want the stardom. But even in college, you become the face of some of these teams. And let me tell you, these college players, these college athletes, they are taken care of very well. Not NBA style well, but very well. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and this is only because this is the, the first thing I thought of when, before I even watched any of Thonmaker's film, and I saw that, okay, seven foot, I want to say 215 is his weight off the top of my head. Thon Maker wants to enter the draft. The first thing I thought of was better not be like Joel Embiid. Because the first thing, better not be like Greg Oden. Because the first thing I think of when I see seven-footer is check those knees. Make sure those knees are in tip-top shape. And I know that he's he's not as like one of the things that they've been saying is he's got to bulk up a little bit. He's got to get some size to get up to 
where Joel Embiid was coming out of school, where Greg Oden was weight-wise when he was coming out of school. Am I crazy for thinking, okay, seven-footer, maybe the one reason why you want to go to the NBA is because you're worried if I play in college for X amount of years, my knees may not make it. My knees may not be able to make it to where look at Greg Oden, played in college for X amount of years, then his knees blew out. I know that one leg was shorter than the other, and maybe that played into it. You know, possibly, but I think at the same time, you can't be worried about that. You can't be worried about that. You just got to be smart. I think that's what it comes down to. Not saying that the other guys weren't smart. I mean, I think it's just an, uh, unfortunate for them, mm-hmm. you know, You know, sadly. But you, you got to be smart, and, and, and you can't do too much. You can't do too much. There's, there is such thing as going too hard. There really is, especially if that's something that you believe could be a problem going forward. You know your limits. You know if this is if you're in in the in the weight room too much. You know if you're putting too much pressure on your knees. You know if you're doing too much of that. You you do. You know your own body. So I think that Thon Maker, all he's got to do is he needs to just monitor anything like that. That if it were to come up, it may not even be an issue for him. But it seems to be, and it has been for some of these um, taller guys who've their knees have been you know just absolute crap at, at the end of their their college career and and, and really uh, never let them get off the ground for their NBA career it's it's just being smart i think and it's being able to monitor all of it and push yourself to the limit but know your limit i, I think that i think that's huge I, I think that's huge it's simple but i think it's it, it's big i mean that's 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 what it comes down to and I think that that's not something that you should say. If you're scared and you don't want to go to college because of that, you just want to go to the NBA. Okay, so you have a short stint as an NBA player. Mm-hmm. Then, you, then you're done. What are you doing? Do you, do you know how to do anything? You gonna get a job? What what are you what are you doing? Nothing, nothing. Okay, let's wrap this up by focusing in on there were a few teams I mentioned: Indiana, Kansas, Arizona State, St. John's, Notre Dame. UNLV. Those are right now the ones that earlier this year SI had reported that when we got to this time of the year Maker was going to make his decision. We didn't know that that decision was going to end up being, hey, I want to see if I can go to the NBA draft instead. Put yourself into the big boy shoes because as a seven seven foot one guy, those are some big fucking shoes that you're filling, Brandon. If you're, let's say, Thon Maker can't go to the NBA. They don't let them. They say you're not eligible before the draft. What school do you pick and why? I think I might be going Kansas. I think I might be going Kansas. Perry Ellis is gone after a stint of 12 years. I think that <laughs> 12 years. I think I, I think I might be going Kansas. They need another big guy. And, you know, who else than to have Thon Maker, you know, this seven foot giant go down there and be a force down low. And, and I think that that's one reason why Kansas lost, because they were not big enough. Mm-hmm. They were not big enough, and they were matched and possibly overmatched against Villanova, who a, a team who ended up winning the national championship this year. And again, congratulations to them. But I really think that it, 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 the team that I would be picking is Kansas, because I can go down there. If I'm Nathan Maker, I'm thinking I can go down there. I can be a huge presence for Kansas down low, something that they'll be lacking. There, I you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say Kansas, but I was going to say Kansas for a different reason. And the main reason I was going to say Kansas is look at them this past tournament run. 
What was one of the big things that Kansas was able to do until they ran into the buzzsaw of Villanova? They were able to just run the floor. They were able to run the floor. There was, you would have thought there was no defense against them because they mm-hmm. shredded each and every one of them. And that's one thing looking at Thon Maker's film that even though he's seven foot one, he looks like a player that has the capability to run the floor. And at Kansas, you need that. Yeah, you do. You need to be able to run the floor. And another thing that I like, and this is from the mouth of Thon Maker when SI talked to him about each school's, he said, and I quote, and their guards can shoot. So that really leaves the bigs on an island to go to work. And it opens up a lot of space. If you're Thon Maker, what's better than that? You get to run the floor. You get to be put on an island where it's basically like you're Dwight Howard with the Orlando Magic. Guard shoots a three. If they miss it, tip it in, get the rebound, put it back up. And I mean, defensively, this kid, this kid can be a monster. He has the potential. And that's the big thing that we used on the fast break with Thon Maker. And that's all he can use right now is he has the potential for this. He has the potential for that. Has the potential here. Has the potential there. This kid could be a force down low. Could be a force. However, because we picked the same two teams, I'm going to give you a, a few thoughts that I had on some of the others. If Kansas is my one, Indiana's my two. Thomas Bryant might be leaving, maybe going to the draft. Boom, you can put Thon Maker down there right down low. Remember this team when they had Noah Vonley down low? Pretty scary pretty scary team for the Hoosiers when he was down low. You can go ahead and also play for a quality coach in Tom Crean. I know not a lot of people like him, no, but after last no, year don't. but after this past year and his run, might be winning a few people over. My number three team would be Notre Dame just because of the first quote I see from Thon Maker in this SI article. It's also pro stuff in terms of making guys really have to defend by running their stuff. If you think it's going to be like running a pro-style system, cool. Go to that team. There's one team, though, that I think could be the underdog, and it's going to be interesting because they're a building team. Wouldn't it be just shot like shot out of the dark if he said, you know what, I can't go to the NBA draft? I'm going to go play for Chris Mullins in St. John's. That would be interesting. That would be interesting, but I that see That would be the thing to almost turn St. John's' rebuilding process around like that. I I, I think it's it's intriguing, but I think that the the top the the top three that you mentioned the first three programs make oh, those make the, more sense those are the ones that make sense the like St John's the reason why I would go to St John's if I was him if you want to play for Chris Mullen same thing with Arizona State except they're a little bit better than St John's if I want to go to Arizona State it's because I want to play for Bobby Hurley that's who I want to play for and then UNLV it's you're not the running rebels of the past. You are not the running Rebel team that went up against the Fab Five, went up against Christian Leitner and those Dukies. They don't even got a shot in my mind. To me, it comes down Kansas, Indiana, the 1-2, Notre Dame, kind of a distant 3. However, knowing my luck and picking where guys are going to go to school, then Thonmaker will probably go St. John's or Arizona State 
just because I said he won't for sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, you opening your mouth to say anything, and it'll jinx everything. Yeah, that's how that's how it works. Yeah. But that's going to do it for our Thon Maker discussion. If you have any thoughts, leave it down below in the comment section, whether you're listening on YouTube or SoundCloud. We're going to move on, though, from basketball to football. And Brandon, some big news and kind of some big news if you know what we're talking about. And the reason why I say that is when I first saw the news, I kind of glanced over it about these satellite camps in college football. And then I looked into it and I went, whoa, we've got, we've got to talk about this. And if you're completely just unaware of Ricky, what the hell is a satellite camp? I need to know. Here's what you need to know. It's a camp where it's hosted by another institution. For example, Georgia State could host this camp for recruits. And then the Michigan coaching staff could come in as guest hosts and just run the camp from Georgia State. That's what they are. It's for kind of teams like Michigan, Ohio State, the Big Ten, the Big 12. Iowa State's head coach is not happy about this satellite camp band that the NCAA came out with, basically saying you can't do them. They're gone effective immediately. And some have said, Brandon, that the reason why the NCAA has banned these camps is because of Jim Harbaugh. Because of Jim Harbaugh comes into the game and immediately uses these things to bring guys to his school. I. Uh, I think it's I think it's actually all because of the khakis. They they want him to, they want him to wear some black slacks or or navy or something. They said could could you wear some black slacks or maybe some dark brown compromise? He said nope, khakis only. That's what it's that's really really what it's all about. They're being discriminatory, but um no, I I, I think that it kind of sucks actually. I mean, you know, Harbaugh, good thinking on his part. Hmm, maybe kids from different regions want to come here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, how about it? Of course they do. Let's like let's not be stupid. You know, of course they would want to. You know, of course there's some people out in California who might want to come and play for Michigan. They don't all want to go to Cal. They don't all want to go to USC. That's just how it is. But now you have to do it within your radius. You're being limited to only a certain talent pool. And you said it before we got started talking, Ricky. The SEC and the ACC win again, as they always do. And let me tell you, folks, I'm a big SEC guy. Mm-hmm. Love them. Alabama is my team. But I do not think that this is necessarily fair. I think that, you know, obviously the SEC will continue to get their talent. The ACC will continue to get their talent. But why is it that you can't have some good competition, some good, healthy competition on with, with these players on whether or not, you know, they, they go play here or they go play here? Well, really the whole thing is, and the reason why Brandon mentioned the SEC and the ACC, more so the SEC, wins again, is because each of those conferences, if you're unaware, each conference had individual rules saying, like, for example, the SEC said, hey, Alabama, you can't work a camp at a destination outside of a 50-mile bubble around your school. So basically, you draw a 50, 50 mile, mile circle radius around your school. Those are the destinations where you can have camps. The ACC was the same way. Whereas you have the Pac 12, the Big 12, the Big 10, these conferences didn't really have that, where 
they were more Michigan could come to the SEC territory, come to that southeastern region or that Texas region, or even California was a big one for Michigan to hit and could run these camps and could say, hey, you know what, we're going to use these as a recruiting tool. I'm kind of I'm kind of in the middle on this, and part of me wants to say the SEC wins again because honestly, look at Alabama, look at Auburn, look at Old Miss, look at anyone in the SEC. Kids are gonna want to go there just because it's Alabama and they play in the SEC. Everybody knows that if you want a chance to win a championship, you're gonna play in the SEC. That's just how it is. Those are where the best teams are. That's where they have been for the past few years. So part of me is like, well, you know what? We need to level the playing field for other teams. If a Michigan needs a satellite camp to pull in guys, then sure, let's have one. If an Iowa State needs a satellite camp, go ahead. Let's have these satellite camps. However, there is the part of me that's like, Ricky, you're being contradictory because if one school like a Michigan can do it, why can't a school like Alabama do it, even if Alabama might not need to do it? And, Ricky, I don't know if you had mentioned this, but Northwestern Athletics Director Jim Phillips, who chairs the D1 Council and also represents Big Ten, said he was disappointed in the outcome of the vote for two reasons. Again, uh, getting this off a of USA Today article. First, he said banning satellite camps unnecessarily, quote, limits the prospective student-athletes' options who deserve a chance to have interaction with the best coaches in the country, regardless of where you're from, end quote. And second, Phillips said the Big Ten had tabled some potential legislative items it was interested in, such as an early signing period to roll it into a comprehensive review of football that was supposed to also include the satellite camp issue. So I think that's kind of interesting. So, you know, you even have um, the chair of the D1 Council saying that it's disappointing on this ruling that they came out with. I think that that's pretty interesting uh, when you take a look at it. Well, you know what else? And I just see this at the end of the ESPN article I'm looking at, and it makes me wonder what the exact vote was. Because this is how the voting was counted up. The vote was passed by a 10 to 5 margin. And from what this article says, and I quote, each Power 5 conference, so Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, and ACC, counts as two votes. So that's a total of 10 votes just with those five. While each group of five conference, five of those, each count as one vote for a maximum of five votes. Based on what you said, I don't know if I could say which side the Big Ten voted for, but based on that, two for the Power Five, one vote for the Group of Five, I see 10 to 5, and that kind of looks like, okay, so the Power Five all voted against it. The Group of Five, which is interesting because I didn't know that they were in this. Look at a Group of Five school, let's say a Memphis. They may they may need these more than Michigan may need them. Because who wants to go to Memphis? Who wants to go to South Florida? Let me put it lower school, a Central Florida, since Blakey Bortles ain't there anymore. Those are the schools that may get even more hurt by this. Because at the end of the day, Michigan may get hurt that they can't run a satellite camp in California. But in the end of the day, they're still fucking Michigan. They have that yellow moron M on their head. 
people still flock in the doors, go to that school. A team like even Nebraska has that tradition behind it. It's Nebraska. The group of fives, they don't have that same football. I'm not going to say tradition is the word I'm looking for, but they don't have that same pedigree, I think, I want is the word I want to use, where they don't have that where they can step into a room and people go, damn, that's a head football coach of the Memphis Tigers. Notice how I couldn't even say the name. Of course, they got a new head coach. That's why I can't say the name. But nobody go. everyone else is like, damn, that's Nick Saban. That's Nick Saban. You don't even have to say that's the Alabama head football coach. That's Nick Saban. That's Mike D'Antoni. That's Jim Harbaugh. They have that pedigree, whereas the group of fives, I think they're hurt the most by this. And oh, I want I want to know. I wanted to now I want to be a fly in the room of that vote to see who voted there where. Because you know four of the vote that went in favor of it came from the SEC and the ACC. Most likely. You know, most likely. I just, I don't, I think this really does more hurt than help. Mm-hmm. I really do because that not that what we're about, though, is is this, you know, this healthy competition. Like, we'll see where the player wants to go. But sometimes the player needs to be shown the options. You know, it's not always just, okay, well, you're, you, you went to all these high schools in the South or high schools. You you went to high school in the South, so that means you're going to Alabama, Auburn, Kentucky, you know, all of these things. What's to say that you wouldn't want to go to school at a Memphis, at a Houston, at something Especially like that? Especially a Houston. How about that? That makes sense. I should have looked one paragraph higher than I was because they actually talk about this. So according to a source that was in the room, here's how the voting went down. The SEC... The ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12 all voted to end satellite camps. That's two, four, six, eight. How do you get the other 10? Well, the group of five conferences, the Sun Belt and the Mountain West, voted against. So all together for the 10 votes, SEC, ACC, Pac- and Big 12, Mountain West, Sun Belt. The other five, the Big 10, which is two, and then... The Mid-American, the Conference USA, and the American, those were who voted where. As this is a source, so we don't really know if that's who was there, but that's what this article is saying. So the Big Ten is the only power conference to say, no, we need these. Very interesting. Very interesting. Why would the Sun Belt, like the Sun Belt's the lowest of the low to me. Do they just not care at this point? I I don't know. There's you know for each school there's probably something that sways them one way or another. I mean mm-hmm. that's how that's how it that's that's how it is for all of our lobbyists because we all know that voting just because Bernie Sanders actually wins somewhere doesn't mean that he actually ends up winning because you know Wyoming that's just another thing. Check out Bernie Sanders, folks. If even if you're not a Democrat uh, Democratic voter or a Bernie Sanders fan, check out Ber- uh, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton out in Wyoming. Take a look at how corrupt that is. That corruptness that's in everything, Talking including about the seven to seven delegates, including sports. So that's why there's always something. Everybody mm-hmm. always has a reason to do to make a decision one way or another for something. It's called having a fucking agenda. Last thing I'm going to ask. It's the question of this video. If you're watching it on, um, if you're watching it on YouTube for the SoundCloud podcast, it's just right in the middle. Does this level the playing field? 
banning satellite camps? Does it level the playing field because the SEC and the ACC couldn't do it, and now everybody can't do it? Yeah, I I think that it uh, I think it really gives the upper hand to the to, to the ACC SEC because they've kind of now gotten away the competition in a sense because we talked about you could still have the loophole you're a vi- you're a guest you know you're a guest of uh, you know coach or you know what whatever it is mm-hmm. um, but uh, no I, I I don't I don't think that the, the playing field is level at all I think that it, it really there's an upper hand here. I, I think that most people would hopefully see that, but uh, you know, that that's that, that's just what I think. That's just what I think, and and maybe it doesn't make a lot of a difference. Maybe it doesn't, but maybe it does. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of in the I'm kind of in the same attitude as the last thing I will say. The only thing I will say to describe this is the rich just get richer. But let us know down below what you think of this as well. And folks, uh, you know, last thing has nothing to do with anything we've talked about on the podcast today, but RIP to Jordan Spieth's two balls on hole number 12. God bless. And Brandon, the last thing we're going to talk about on the podcast today has to do with, we have our, I mean, first quarterback battle that has been won, if you could call it that, as Texas A&M, the Aggies, Man, did this football team lose. They, they had a just terrible start to their offseason in 2016. And if you were like, Ricky, I completely forgot. Tell me what happened. Well, first off, Kyle Allen, their starting quarterback for a while, uh, went ahead and said, fuck it, I'm out of town, chose to go to the Houston Cougars. Then their other quarterback, Kyler Murray, said, ah, fuck it, I'm going to go out of town. And he went to... The Oklahoma Sooners. Well, Trevor Knight, the guy who lost the starting job last year for Oklahoma and eventually sat on the bench while Baker Mayfield brought the Sooners all the way to the college football playoff, decided to transfer from Oklahoma to Texas A&M. Well, Brandon, as of two hours ago, it is official that Texas A&M Kevin Sumlin has named Trevor Knight the starter for the 2016 opener. And I'm excited for him. You know, I really am. And I I really en- I enjoy watching Texas A&M when they're playing. I, I, they're another SEC team. And, and again, I really do enjoy watching the SEC. Um, and they need it. They need a good leader at quarterback. So They haven't had one since Johnny Football. <clears throat> well, they certainly didn't have one last year because it was possibly the worst offensive team someone's ever put out onto the field. I mean, they were they were almost probably last in everything. I mean, they 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 were very, very bad, especially, especially in the red zone. They were horrible. They couldn't score. But it's funny because Knight, after a lot of things had happened, he had some injuries, he wasn't very consistent when he was at Oklahoma. And it's funny because he ended up losing a preseason battle to Baker Mayfield, who went on led the Sooners to the college football playoff this past year, where, of course, they lost to Clemson. Mm-hmm. But Knight, he threw for over 3,400 yards, 25 touchdowns, 19 interceptions. He needs to get those interceptions down. 
and those those touchdowns into the 30s. If he can do that, I think he'll be very productive here at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is, of course, going to be having a new offensive coordinator this year, Noel Mazzone. So we're going to see how that works out for them. But I, I see good things coming from Texas A&M. They, they, they're going to have a revamped offense, and someone is not going to allow kind of the dysfunctional offensive things that happened last year to again happen this year. I think Texas A&M uh, turns it around and and they could be a they could be a top contender in uh the the SEC this year. We'll see. We'll, we will see. It's going to be interesting because you can't really obviously you can't really go off of last year for Trevor Knight. You got to go back to 2014, 2300 yards, 14 to 12 touchdown to INT ratio where you can basically see that as brand. It's like what you said. Get the touchdowns up a little bit. Bring that interception turnover mark down. If he can do that, then maybe Texas A&M could have a fighting chance, no pun intended, fighting Aggies, a fighting chance to maybe do something in the SEC. The thing that I think is very maybe ironic, maybe interesting is the word I'm going to go for. Who's Texas A&M's? First game against in 2016, UCLA. So right away, Trevor Knight is going up against Saturday, September 3rd at home, is going up against a kid that I love, a kid that I know that you love, Josh Rosen, sophomore season. A kid that had already thrown for 3,670 yards as a freshman, 23 touchdowns, 11 INTs in his first year with Jim Moore's Bruins. And we will, and it's even more interesting because this new offensive coordinator for the Aggies, where has he been last four years? UCLA. So we will definitely get a big taste of how it all worked out for both teams, game one. And I hope this isn't a kind of. I hope that I hope that Trevor Knight. This isn't just a like when I see the headline of oh he wins the job for the opener. I go okay, so that means he's got the job for now. But if he fucks up, something's going to change. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope he has, and I'm saying he is in Trevor Knight has a little bit of a longer leash in case he does make a mistake here or there, but I will tell you this. If Trevor Knight comes out and flat-out fails for Texas A&M, I'm calling it right here, right now. If he flat-out fails and the Aggies have another losing season, Kevin Sumlin's fired at the end of the year. Yeah, He's gone. Yeah, I would think so, too. I would think Sumlin's probably out. Um, if they do not do well and they ended up 8-5, and five, this past year, fifth in the West in the SEC, and yeah, that's just that. That's not that's not going to do it. That's not going to get it done. That is not going to get it done. And it was the second straight year that they were eight and five. They were nine and four before that, and then the eleven and two season in twenty twelve. I'll be honest. The West is much much more difficult than the East. In the West, you got Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU, uh, Arkansas, who's who's going to be getting better, Mississippi State. Texas A&M and then Auburn, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, you know you're gonna have to be better. You're gonna have to be better than eight and five. You're gonna have to be better than eight and five because Alabama, well, they won that side 
at fourteen and mm-hmm. one. Ole Miss was ten and three. Then everyone else uh, was 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 nine and three, nine and four, eight and five, and then seven and six. You got to, to be at the top. You have got to win more than you got to win more than nine games. Honestly, you got to win ten. Well, and where does it all start? Got to say the quarterback position. Look at all four teams that were in the college football playoff last year. Connor Cook, he's a guy that could be going in the second round of the NFL draft. Jay Coker, serviceable guy, played well in the system for Alabama Roll Tide. Baker Mayfield, the guy that won the job from Trevor Knight, only played well enough to get them to the college football playoff. And then you look at Clemson, they have a hell of a guy in Deshaun Watson who many are saying if he plays well enough this season could be the number one quarterback prospect off the board for 2017. So Texas A&M, if you're a Aggie fan, all you got to look at right now is that quarterback play. If you have the quarterback and he plays well enough and, you know, Trevor Knight plays kind of like he did in 2014, except like we said, bring down the interception numbers, convert those interceptions into touchdowns for your team. You don't want pick sixes going the other way. Obviously, that's going to make you lose the game. That's John Madden for you. But if they have the quarterback, they may be able, that's half the battle right there, to be able to compete in the SEC and maybe even get to the college football playoff. Yep, I absolutely think so. Expectations are up, up, up after an impressive spring performance by Trevor Knight. I think that Texas A&M Nation is really got to be excited, and I think they've got high hopes for this season. Before I wrap it up, i got to ask you the question. It's a question that you hate. Give me a prediction for uh, Rosen versus Knight. Who are you giving the early edge to? Um, I'm going to give the early edge to Rosen just because we know him. We've seen him uh, more than what we've seen of Knight. That does not mean that it could change. I, I might be like you, flavor of the weeky. Well, this is this is just the opening bet. This is the opening the yeah. opening line from yes. Brandon Smith. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Rosen because again, it's a it's another year under his belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked him last year. I, I thought I that, love Josh Ro- Rosen. I, I can't wait for this year. I thought that uh, he made too many mistakes, but uh, he'll remember clean it that up. game against BYU. Yes. Oh, yes. That, that was when I was riding all over. The BYU bandwagon. Oh my gosh, I was so sick of that. I was all over the BYU bandwagon. But that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. Go ahead, let us know down in the comment section what you thought of anything that we talked about on today's show. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ricky Widmer. Brandon is at Young underscore Swan 19. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. Hey, speaking of most va- at Most Valuable Pod, you can also follow us on the Snappy Chatty. I believe that's what it's called. Most Valuable Pod is what we are on Snapchat as well. If you're on SoundCloud, hit the heart and repost button. Follow us. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Brandon, before I uh, post this out, you look like you want to say something. I was going to say, and folks, just in case you didn't know, we hit a thousand, what baby. Up? What up? What up? And thank you guys for helping us hit a thousand. We couldn't have done it without the fans like you that we get to talk to through our computers every single day. Thank you guys for checking out the Primetime Podcast. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.